from the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Hi, Big and Wild Outdoors. Welcome in. Hour number two, Braden Vince. Bill's back and Slick is back. And I got to say good morning to Sweden. Sweet. Whoever's uh, logged on to the page now from uh, from Sweden, they're on there saying hi. How are you? So good morning. This is good. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Sweden. Is it Swiss Miss? It's whoever's uh, looking, uh, hanging out with us this morning from Sweden. That's all good. Look at all those dots, man. That's so cool to see. I know. People, uh, I can't believe how many uh, people are coming onto the page. I'm still uh, wondering why in the world we our second largest listing group is in China. That's a little scary. I've been setting my VPN <clears throat> over there, so I've just been logging into Is that page. what it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do I see Finland? Uh, it, it's, it goes uh, United States, China, Sweden, and Canada is number four. Ireland is uh, finally got up there, broke the uh, top five. Uh, some nice folks over in Finland. Well, now the, I know you're lying. The, no, we're looking Canadians at, don't have, Canadians looking at it right don't now. have guns and hunt. The Philippines, uh, <laughs> Germany, uh, Indonesia, United Kingdom, and the 11th well, is uh, the Netherlands. So, uh, obviously, uh, around the world, uh, we weren't lying when we said that. So, Back in a time where we had a lot of people overseas, there was a number of people who were listening to the show. True. And it, it was funny because... Th- some of them would call in once in a while. They'd come back stateside, and they would comment about listening to the show. And Alaska seemed to be, be a popular place, too, for our show, uh, for some reason, on the military bases up there. You can always tell it's a military base because it just says, unknown. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, we're listening online, but uh, as a computer, we can't tell you where we are, okay? So it's all good. Uh, but uh, I brought it up on the uh, on the big and wild cam, and uh, watching the sun come up. Uh, while Why, we I, here. I showed my uncle because uh, the last time I saw you guys was before Thanksgiving. I came to Thanksgiving and I showed him the big and wild page, and he's like, "Yeah, I didn't know there was a hunting show in here." I was like, "Yo, what the what?" I know, right? People are asleep. Ah. <laughs> yeah, they're sleeping. Well, I uh, speaking of uh, what was it that I was going to bring up? It was one of those things that led right into the other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently not. I mean, no, it was. Well, we were talking about it on my ammo phone. and hard to find. When I was up in Pennsylvania, my neighbor turned around. He's used to hunting Florida, which is always little short chip shots. And I'm like, "You gonna shoot your gun? You gonna shoot your rifle?" Sometimes they shoot a little different up here than down in Florida. Wood stocks get you know cold and whatnot. And uh, oh no, I'm not gonna shoot it. Well, all the rest of us shot and. He's like, well, maybe I should shot. He went to go shoot, didn't even hit the backstop. <laughs> and it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize weather has a lot to do with how your, it, your gun's going to work. Too. It does. It does. And some of the stocks and, and barrels turn around are more impacted. Uh, my buddy George, he always had a gun that would shoot different up in Pennsylvania than it did in Florida. But in this particular case here in Florida, he never had to shoot a far distance. And so the gun had never really been sighted in for more than 50 yards. Well, <laughs> I, I, that's, I know there's a lot of people who come in and especially come to the shop and they're traditionalists and they want wood. You know, the, the standard wood stock with a you know, blued barrel and all that stuff, which you know, I have and I, I like them as well. But 
Uh, here in Florida, and uh, when I was out, uh, when I used to hunt a lot out in Missouri as well, the I went with a composite stock with a nice coating, a sear coating type of stuff on my barrel and receiver and all that kind of stuff with a stainless bolt and, and a whole nine yards for the very reason, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've sat in a tree stand in a deluge and just watched water go into every single crack, crack and, and crevice of that. And knowing that I I was going to, if this was a wood gun, I'd literally have to be stripping it completely apart and uh, doing it piece by piece and making sure that everything had some form of petroleum product on it to save it from itself. And uh, I, I tell a lot of people, I'm like, dude, if you're going to be out, especially in Florida, if you're going to go somewhere where it's cold, and I brought that up, I said, temperature change, you do not believe, you know, you got a barrel, you're here for uh, hunting in Florida, what's the coldest you're going to find? Maybe 30 degrees, 32 if you're up in the northern part of the state. You, if you go to Wisconsin and you're putting steel out there in an area where it's, it could be 10 below zero, sure. I mean, and it could be <laughs> coated in snow. I mean, steel hardens, things change, and the, and the gun itself changes. Your trigger pull changes, everything about the throw of the bolt changes, all that stuff. How many horror stories did you hear from people that used to be up north? They go, well, I can't use this certain type, I'm not going to say it, but a certain type of lubricant because when I went to go fire my gun, <laughs> it, froze. it froze solid. <laughs> the trigger wouldn't go, the safety wouldn't go off, and uh, the bolt, if I did get a shot off, the bolt wouldn't open up. I mean, seriously. Yeah. You, you got to get the stuff that the Army uses. It's yeah, the old really CLP. Good. The CLP is yeah. amazing, and it, it works wonders. All right, any gun I've ever fired, actually, it's the magic fix-all to a 50 cal. If you just go dump a gallon of it on there and it's all, like, greasy from CLP, it works. Oh, yeah, dump the whole thing out on it, and it works probably the best you'll ever have any gun working. Well, there are are other uh, private sector versions of of that. You know, I mean, it's out there, but... You know, the old standbys, I mean, my dad, his favorite one was the old three-in-one oil. You know, three-in-one oil would fix anything on a gun. I it, mean, it fixed anything anywhere. Yeah, and then, but I, I, that smell of three-in-one oil with hops number nine is just ingrained in my brain. It's, you know, when you were sitting there all day clearing sure. guns and, mm-hmm. and uh, doing all that stuff. But uh, there are better products that are out there that, don't make your gun turn it into a you know a slick sally all over the place where you got oil and three in one oil because if I can smell it from four miles away, I'm sure a deer can smell it from twenty miles well, away. My so. big my big thing with him was after about the fifth shot of us working to get it where it needed to be, I'm like, are you safe on ammo? Because if not, we need to start <laughs> changing our focus here. <laughs> we need to be a little more conservative on the ammo side. Of- but I had to think that a lot of people who uh, take trips, even in like Alabama or Georgia, it can get cold up there. And, they can. Uh, and I don't, you know, they hunted here in the state of Florida and, uh, you know, later in the season, maybe in November, December, get up there where it's a little cold, a front pushes through there. It changes the, the entire structure of the firearm. So well, I got a question for you because you guys have all fired up north. I haven't. Um, when you're zeroing the weapon, do you actually have to like let the barrel cool down while you're doing it? Because that first shot you take, you're probably sitting in the stand for a while. Uh, like when you're trying That's to like dial cold. the scope, and do and you guys take the time to do that. That is that is something that George is very adamant about. He turns around, he'll take his gun, put it outside, 
let it come down to temperature. I always kept my guns outside. And, and and then he'd turn around and he'd do his shot, and then he'd let it sit for a little bit, and he'd t- do his next shot because especially with my three hundred, it'll warm the barrel up pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Well, I, the, I would leave my firearm if I was hunting in Missouri and it was extremely cold, or in an area where I was cold, even in parts of Texas where it was cold. I'd always leave it either out in the truck, outside, where it would stay the temperature of the outside temperature. I don't know how many times somebody comes bounding out of the trailer, and uh, that gun's been sitting in there with a heater. It's 84 degrees inside that trailer, and you walk outside, and what's the first thing it does? Condensation all over the gun. And it's condensation in the bolt, condensation in the trigger group, condensation on safety. So now you get out there, and you will have a frozen gun. When I turned around and... I had a day that had a bit of rain. I'll bring it in, let the gun dry out, that type of stuff. But I usually leave the gun in the truck. Well, I I, I would not only leave my gun, but I had when I bought the uh, the uh, the suit, the one piece overall suit with the hood and everything. Mm-hmm. I had a big giant wooden hanger, and I would hang it up in a tree. I'd hang it outside, so it was the same temperature outside, and it would also any scent or anything else would stay outsidey. And uh, I didn't want to bring it inside uh, any of the trailers or the campers or anything like that. We're cooking spam or smoking a cigar or whatever it is that everybody else is doing. Sure. It doesn't get all in your clothes. It would stay outside. So it was that ritual where you run out there <laughs> in your in your skivvies or your uh, polypropylene and uh, got your socks on and uh, jump and take that cold suit and <laughs> zip, zip it up and Breathe in it, trying to warm it up oh, inside. Oh, no, no breathing in, no breathe, no moisture in there. Uh, and then uh, get it out. Well, it's, it's all right. It's polypropylene. Yeah. It lets it out. Cortex, it's all yeah. good. So um, <laughs> uh, I know that it will change a lot. But now that brings up an interesting thing because Bill George came back from Pennsylvania, and, of course, he brought a jar of <laughs> canned venison back. <laughs> Now, is this from the same uh, generous family as the last it, batch? It is. It is from the same generous family as the last batch. So is and this the same deer, or this, is this a newly uh, discovered uh, critter? No, no, no. This this is venison. This, this may be the same. This may be one of the same deer as last year. And um, we know that last time Carlos got to try it. And, I got to and try And this it. year... This year we have Vince. Vince. Vince and is Slick. not. Slick hasn't. Uh, Slick, that <laughs> thing. That thing looks like. Easy. <laughs> easy. easy. <laughs> Listen. It, it, like other things, don't get caught on the exterior appearance. How's the smell? It doesn't not smell bad. bad. Look, don't open that in that studio. I'll never hear the end of it from. Okay. <laughs> we but opened it last time. We tried it here we, on the air. It was we really, did it open was good. it last time. Now I was thinking it needed we might, hot sauce. I'll tell you that. We might be a little easier on Vince. Maybe we'll warm it up. Last time, Braden wanted the off-the-shelf experience. Yeah, I wanted it right straight out of the can. He wanted it straight as though you were stuck in a truck, buried the truck in snow, waiting for somebody to come get you, and you had to turn around pull that thing out and and have something to eat. I need every bit of that. I don't think so. Correct. Sure you would. But I think I think uh, we'll turn around and get Carlos's daughter Sabrina to do one of her, uh, you know, charcuterie boards. Yeah, what is Sabrina's delicacies? And uh, have her do a try. We'll explain to her what it is. Have her pair some cheeses and mustards <laughs> and crackers for you, Vince. Dude, I just want to try it, man. I don't want to get into all that because oh, no. it, 
That's a lot okay. of work. If, if, no, if it's terrible. it'll be that way. It'll be a, a true wonderful experience. And we'll for warm you. it up. And, no, and just, maybe just, I'll, let's just just bite the bullet, warm it up next break, and try and, it now. No, 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 no. no, and then no, I'll no. Do. I'm with Bill George on this one. All right, we're gonna take a break. Uh, I gotta ask you about the deer meat when we come back. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by Brandon Ford. Hi, hi. Welcome in. It's Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden, Vince, Bill, and Slick hanging out with you on this beautiful Saturday morning. I'm sorry we are now mesmerized by the uh, cam. If you go to bigandwild.com, bigandwild.com. Yeah, you can see it on your phone. There's a very nice, uh, handsome eight-point that decided to show up. There's a deer. Uh, this is a whole little Bambi family. You got Dad. You got the you got the Mama back there. And then you had some spike. Oh, he just ran off. Uh Obviously, their hunting season is just rifle season just started <laughs> because they are a little bit skittish today. They're, uh, every little sound in the forest is like, yep, heads up. Is, is that big boy even chewing or he just swallowing? I don't know. He's yeah. uh, going to town. But uh, while you're at BigAndWild.com, mesmerized by the, uh, the cam, make sure you go and you click over there on the left-hand side that says Big and Wild Shopping. If you haven't got your Christmas stuff done yet, for heaven's sakes, do yourself a favor and go click on that shopping link because you got, uh, let's see. Let me just see if I can find something on here that the outdoor person would not like. Uh, Bubba? Bubba blades? Uh, Steaks? I don't know. Uh, How about uh, some cigars maybe? Or if you need some gun parts or maybe you need some fishing equipment or maybe you need a new cooler or maybe you need uh, some libations for the Christmas party or, or something like that. Or that grill to cook those steaks on that you're going to buy. That's right. Or any kind of barbecue stuff. Or if you need some outdoor camping, cooking gear, anything like that. Or if you maybe uh, need some uh, fishing gear, as in clothing, we got Hook. We got a nice link there for Hook. And uh, also, if maybe you're looking for a firearm and you're not opposed to buying it online, <clears throat> got a link right there for you to be able to do it right there. And uh, not only that, but last but not least, let's go with uh, ammunition. Got ammo. Got a link there for maybe a place to find it. And if you're looking for something for the kids, you got to go click the link for Doc and Pies. Those guys and their arcade factory, if you're looking for something that you can put over there in the shelf and let the kids play with that doesn't cost you a million and a half dollars every two days because they need Fortnite coins. (laughs) <laughs> or they need the new battle pack. Right. Or something else. It's, Mom, it's only $6. I uh, just put it on your credit card. All right. I asked my son one time, I said, do you know how much money is in that Xbox right there? When you think about Bad all the dog. crap that you bought, when you thought about all the battle packs and Fortnite coins, all this stuff as you grew up and you played on there, all the uh, bonus stuff and everything else that you paid for, there's got to be at least a couple of grand inside that machine. I think I found your sticker. If you want to uh, put an end to that, then what you need to go is go to Doc and Pies, go to the factory, go look at it. You can put a machine in there that literally has uh, uh, 500, 600 games. Uh, Then you got one that has 3,000 games. So you won't have to buy any more downloads or any of that other kind of crud like that. You can just get it right there, put it in the house, and boom, it's done. I was cruising their Facebook page yesterday, and uh, they put up a thing. If you buy the Dockbox 3000, it'll ship the next day. 
Seriously? Yeah. Well, just in time for Christmas. I'll tell you, it's it's getting crazy. I mean, I've I've watched a lot of the different places that are having a hard time getting delivery out. So yeah. if you can get something that can go out the next day, I suggest you hurry up and go do it. And also, I know you hear the commercial all the time on the show. If you want to go check out uh, a nice ribbed inflatable or a nice boat, you can go to Shishé, which is also linked on there as well. Shishé uh, Power Inflatable Boats, it's right there. Now, when I say inflatable, I'm not talking about the guy who's sitting on the side of the pool going, <laughs> <laughs> You kids really want me to blow up this freaking unicorn? Seriously? I mean, these are like nice rib boats. I mean, these are like the ones that the military uses and things like that. So go check it out. It's uh, Shishé. It's all right there at uh, BigAndWild.com. Click on the uh, link that says Big and Wild Shopping. And if you want to, you can be mesmerized like Slick, who has not taken his eyes off of the camera. I'm telling you, man, these, this is the best thing. I, this is my pastime right now. I, I have I've <laughs> obliterated all hobbies. I just sit around watching this cam. I, I understand. Well, now, before the break, we were talking about the canned venison that uh, Bill George brought back from Pennsylvania. And I have tried it. I liked it. My daughter, no, no, just couldn't get past Could it. not get past the look. Could not get past the look. My son, yeah, we, we hacked on it. And so what I did is I had to put it in some spaghetti sauce and made a nice big one and all that kind of stuff. Then she ate it. You know, as long as she didn't see it like you did, your first reaction when you saw it in the jar, you were like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now this, bring, this brings up the question that was a hot topic this past week on social media, which is, and I got to ask you your honest opinion on this, Bill, and maybe the listeners as well, because I've never thought of it this way. But there was a giant debate this past week on social media that which venison is better from deer that are shot in the south, from the Midwest, or from the upper north, or from out west? Which venison actually tasted the best? And now we have a lot of hunters who go to different parts of the country and shoot deer in Texas or Missouri or Georgia or Pennsylvania or upstate New York or Maine or uh, Blacktail or anything else out in California. And it was amazing how many people actually had their own favorites and said that um, white-tailed deer, like we had a lot of people who moved from up north down to the south and said, oh, no, these deer down south taste much better than the ones up north. And then you had people who moved from up north to down south and said, no, these don't taste as good as deer in Wisconsin. And, and of course, then it got down to, well, you're cleaning them wrong and then all these other uh, little issues. But what about you? When, you? when you eat your deer, is there a preference? I don't. I can't say Grilled. that I have a preference on on one deer or another deer. I think a lot of deer, the difference may be in, okay, was that deer uh, running? Was he all excited when he was shot, or was he just peacefully walking through the woods and all of a sudden lost his life? In addition to that, it's what they're feeding it's like a hog down here if you turn around and you get a hog that's been feeding and gorging on acorns for for a month that hog is maybe a little different than one that's been rooting up pink root you know the, the whole fat everything changes a little different tint in the the th animal and so i think it's a combination of what they're feeding on at that time that you're you're hunting them and whether or not they're excited or were running, what, did somebody have them running when they when they got shot, or was he just kind of 
relaxing in the woods. All those things were debated uh, on social media, all, every single one of those points that you made. And it was funny because a lot of guys said, uh, I've eaten a lot of running deer before. They hunt with dogs, so just about every deer they shoot is running. So uh, their their deer never tasted that bad. It's when you clean it afterwards or where you shoot it and that kind of thing that may sure. have a big issue on it. But one of the things was one of the theories that a guy came up with, he said, uh, deer up north, because they go through the winter portion of it, they fill their stomachs with just about anything can, they can find. So you're talking about pine cones or sticks or anything. Cert- yeah, anything that they can find. So as you pointed out, that has a lot to do with it. If you... You get pine in anything, it tastes like pine. pine. It really does. I mean, and, but down here in Florida, not only uh, maybe we don't have the, the vast cornfields that they have in, say, Iowa or certain parts of the Midwest, but as I've pointed out on the show, corn is a hot food. It really doesn't add a lot of weight or anything to there. Now, there are other things, soybeans, uh, peanuts, turnips, all those other things that, that some deer eat while they're up north that can contribute to it. But uh, I just thought it was funny. I never thought about it because I never sat down. I was like Vince. As long as it was grilled and as long as it was cooked and as long as it tasted good, I didn't go, you know, this Missouri deer just kicks the crap out of the Florida deer. (laughs) It it never did. Yeah. Maybe my palate's not refined enough. Correct. It's like the people who swirl their wine glass before they smell it and take a sip. Actually, that does work. I mean, if you... <laughs> I never mind. Bro. Never mind. I never just mind. drink it. I, I just drink the wine. I, all I taste is the lasagna and there's some red wine on the table. It's all the same. I didn't know. I don't know if it's a 19... Uh, <laughs> early 1800 uh, Napoleon Boulanger. Hey. Or it's just red wine. Okay, whatever. I it's, just had a little fine hook with a little piece of bait and I caught that nibbler. No, that's what you do. Well, to me, I said I never really noticed that much of a difference, but in hogs, I have noticed a difference. And there is a big difference between a piney wood rooter who's out there living on snails and black mud out in the edge of a swamp who's uh, just in that stinky mud rolling around every single day of his life as compared to ones that are running around on the edges of orange groves with no teeth left in their heads because they live on oranges and everything else. Much better, much better taste than hog. They're so good. They're pre-mohoed. Pre-mohoed. <laughs> wow. Pre, they're pre-mohoed. And if you get one that's a little too acorny, then they can also be very acidic because well, acorns are very acidic. So the meat will you, have a little bit of a... You mentioned uh, the oranges. I, I have been given instructions that we have to do our annual... Uh, Sour orange hunt again this year. Well, you know, uh, our our buddy Mike, he called last week and said uh, he's got a spot. He's already got a tree. He's already so. But uh, Carlos, of course, submarine engineer, said, don't tell Bill George because I like it better when he's out there at night with flashlight trying to to find him. It's it's, it's all good. Now, um, I just just wanted to see if you uh, maybe tasted a venison difference when you went to Pennsylvania as opposed to Florida. I I couldn't necessarily say that I did. We did eat some fresh venison while I was up there. Uh, Had something happen. Where where are we on break, Slick? 
I don't know. He's he's hanging and banging. He's got. He's watching the cam. Dude. I look, yeah, I'm wa- not only am I watching the cam, I'm watching the break. You, I, I can push this whenever I want. That's the thing about being well, the producer. There's an eight point and a that, six so. point that have his attention yeah. on the well, camera. Right I'm now, telling so. you, if I was up there, the eight point would have been dropped by now. Is that an eight? That's a small eight. That's a that's a younger eight too. Bill, yeah. Bill, before you go into your story though, I mean, if you have a family out in like the southeastern conference of the football world. Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi, oh, North Carolina. It's the tornadoes. What's that got to do with venison? Uh, it's nothing. I'm watching so the news. So that would be an end of the show type uh, no, situation. No, I'm watching the news and it's breaking news. If you have family out there who's oh, maybe been affected by these tornadoes, I suggest you touch base with them. I'm trying to wait for my brother. He's out in uh, Raleigh, and that's where the tornadoes kind of went through, too. So if you're up and you're not watching the news, turn it on. You got uh, family in different states from here. I would suggest you call and check on them. And with that, we'll take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We're brought to you by our good friends at Brandon Ford. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Brayden Glenn uh, is somewhere out in the woods, I'm sure. And uh, Vince and Bill hanging out with you this morning. And uh, listen, if you're going to go out today, it's going to be a good day to go outside, play around a little bit. It's going to be a little bit warmer today. <sighs> Are we supposed to get rain on Sunday? Are we supposed to get rain tomorrow? I think, I think it's coming in. I just I I, hope I'm, so. I just, I'm not ready for this weather. I know that everybody visiting from up north is thinks it's the greatest thing ever because it's 82 degrees today and the water's 64. <laughs> You're crazy, but uh, it's going to be a nice one out there. It's going to be a bright sunny day. And then uh, tonight's going to be a little bit cooler, so if you want to go out and maybe go do some ice skating or something somewhere. Uh, I know they got some ice skating rink set up in St. Pete and over in Tampa, and you can go try to break your ankles there. It'd be all good. No, thank you. Take the kids and go out and have fun. It'd be a, it'd be a good time had by all, except by me. I'm not much of an ice skater. I, I don't think I could picture you on ice skates. Sorry. <laughs> I think I went one time when I was like a little kid. I, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't care. You can fall as many times as you want to and all that stuff. Right. I can uh, oh wait I can actually tell you the last time I was ice skating. It was before the lightning opener. We were broadcasting live from from the ice in the ice palace, and the promotions guy for the lightning uh, brought out uh, a pair of skates for us to go and skate and be on the ice and have all that stuff. Um, that would have been kind of cool. Uh, who is the big uh, Canadian uh, big scorer Andrew guy Chuck? for the Andrew Chuck? He brought out his skates, and I put my feet in Andrew Chuck's skates and was skating around the rink. And in about 20 minutes, I had to take them off because I literally thought I had bear traps on my feet. You don't realize that they mold those things to the person's foot. Well, his feet were not like my feet. And after about <laughs> 20 minutes, his shoes were telling me, get these off. And it was horrible. So that was the last time I was actually ice skating. Uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about the differences in deer, and someone brought up in the room about uh, Canadian deer tasting like, uh, I don't know, bacon or something that you put on a mick, whatever. And uh, I just it reminded me of a story that I read this past week that we've talked about many times on the show. What happens when you get too many deers? What do you have to do when you get too many deers in an area? Vaccinate them. 
Uh, vaccinate. Uh, harvest them. Snip them. Population control. Population control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Contraceptives. Yeah, contraceptives. All those kinds of things. Uh, you know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not giving my deer the pill. Well, <laughs> oh, they take them and snip them. They yeah. tranquilize them, bring them to a vet, snip them, and put them loose. All, all that work when I could just, you know, shoot them myself. Well, that way it's a cheaper one, but then uh, there's no tears. But there's a park, apparently, and a city park in Montreal. It's in, out in a suburb. It's a suburban park. Uh, they're so overpopulated with deer now that they are actually saying that uh, we're going to have to do what Slick is suggesting, and we're going to have to go ahead and cull some of these bad boys out of here. So this park, I'm not even going to try this this name of this park. It's over in Quebec. So that'll tell you that the name of the park is over there. Ranch. It's become so over, overpopulated, but they're saying they have no choice but to eliminate some of the deer. And according to this report, a lot of people, they tried it last year, and they said uh, no, that uh, they got too much kickback and too many uh, petitions and protesters and all this other stuff that they're doing. And now even though experts are saying, look, these deer are literally killing their own environment. So they're going to start dropping like flies or rotting around or eating on your stuff before they do it. Now, remember, this is a year ago they wanted to do it, and there was 30 deer in the park. So they literally wanted to do it with 30 deer in this park. But so much backlash and all the other stuff that the former mayor said, no, 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 we're not going to do it. So they had another plan to relocate the deer to a sanctuary. And, of course, all the veterinarians went, are you kidding? Do you know what it takes to catch a deer? I mean, it is not something that's easily done. It's going to cost you a fortune for us to trank every one of them. And if we're out there trying to net or do whatever these other ones, you endanger human beings in the handling of said such deer. So they actually said, um, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to leave them alone, let them grow, and do with their thing. So in a year, they've gone from 30 deer. Remember, it's 30 deer. So now there's more than 70 deer. Oh, wow. I like to think that I, I like to make fun of Canada with the fact that they think that 30 deer is a lot of deer. Well, in one little park where they're living, <laughs> sure. But now you have 70 deer that are now. This is what happens when you let hippies have their way. <laughs> I guess. See? That just goes to prove at 30, you weren't at the carrying capacity. Yeah. You it weren't just at goes 30. to prove it. And now you're at 70, which is even less. And now. Uh, it's getting to be where it's just getting out of hand. So the committee decided to ignore uh, the problem the first time, leaving the deer alone, saying that uh, we're going to not do anything. But now those same said people, I guess, that signed the petition a year ago are saying, these are becoming dangerous. Someone could hit one with their car and it could <laughs> kill them. Okay? <laughs> and, oh, they brought this up on their own. And... What if all these deers out here, what about they're going to bring in like tick-borne diseases and uh, it's going to be spread. And then, of course, then when you have malnutrition deer with lower health, then it creates a disease situation. So finally, now that they've had to learn their lesson the hard way, the uh, spokesman for the town said the deer culls were going to be carried out uh, uh, in autumn is what they want to do. They want to do it in autumn to avoid orphan. Orphaning fawns <laughs> or killing pregnant females. I'm like, dude. You want to kill the pregnant female. Exactly. 
so you don't end up with 90 to 100 deers. Yeah, pregnant females means you get two for one. So you're actually doing uh, a better service by taking out the pregnant does than you are by, say, oh, I don't know, worried about orphaning fawns. If your goal is to reduce the population. Exactly. If that's your goal, then let them kill pregnant doves. They do something right for the community. Just have a big old barbecue and just do it. They got it wrong the first time. What makes them think that they're going to get it right the second time? That is true. Well, yeah. I mean, well, they... It got to the point where, as Bill George pointed out, they just couldn't take it anymore. And it's going to cause disease and and, and car wrecks. And they're eating all my roses. And I can't grow anything in my garden. And there's nothing here, but we're going to have to kill them. Okay, fine. But don't kill any fawns, which, by the way, most northern states encourage you to kill a fawn if it's one that's born late in the autumn season. Because chances are it ain't going to make it through the season. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be frozen somewhere, made into a coyote popsicle somewhere, <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, well. in your freezer or in a jar for Vince to enjoy later on this week. <sighs> oh, man. I don't know, dude. <laughs> You'll be fine. I just love how these people always sit here and they don't, they complain about all of it and say, no, 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 till it becomes a problem where it affects them personally. Then all of a sudden, it's we you have to do something. You're the mayor. You're you're the city council. You have to do something. I'm sorry, Miss Mabel. Weren't you the one that signed the petition last year? Yeah, but that was last year. It's eating my roses. Yeah, now, now it's eating my stuff. So it's a little bit different these days. So I, I need you to uh, do something other than just let them go. Kind of like what the FWC is doing for the manatees. You know, we can't feed them, but they can. That rules for me, but not for the mentality. Well, you know, you have to save the manatees, so uh, somebody somewhere is going to be out there throwing them tons of romaine lettuce, I'm sure. I've had some fall off the boat for him every once in a while. Well, you mean that's it not legal. Fell you, off the boat. No, I no, no. Nope, it fell off the boat. It's not he legal. had a Subway sandwich. Exactly. He really didn't want lettuce. He tossed it in the water. The manatee just so happened to be there At when the he did. At the same exact time. You show me a subway that puts romaine lettuce on a sandwich. <laughs> show me one. Uh, looking for something exciting to do? Don't forget the second annual squirrel hunt is going to be happening along uh, next uh, month, the 19th, February, is when it's going to be happening. Weigh in begins at 10 a.m. and ends at 4 p.m. There's going to be uh, the weigh in is going to be at the Stable Faith Cowboy Church, which is up in Brooksville. Uh, it's on uh, Broad Street. Broad Street? Yeah, that's where it is. Broad Street. And uh, what you do is you go out there and you get your five biggest, heaviest squirrels. And you go and you uh, drop them off. And they'll do the big weigh-in. It's, what is it, 20 bucks? 20 bucks per couple? Is that what I it is? I believe so, yes. I think it's 20 bucks per couple. And uh, you can go out there, bring your kids along. It's a family-friendly event. There's nothing crazy going on out there, nothing to uh, to um, whoa, whoa, really whoa. get nothing nutty. Nothing crazy? Nothing crazy going on out there. It's a kid's event. I it, mean, you got kids well, out I, there. What are you going to have? Like Not uh, that kind of crazy. If you turn around, it was amazing how many people were there last year and just... 
people parked on sides of roads, people parked everywhere just trying to get to the event. So I can imagine why they needed to get to a, a place with a little bit more parking. Yeah, you got to get to it. So they're going to do it out at the uh, the big cowboy church up there. And here I'll give you some more details on it. Registration is on. You can do it now if you want to. That way you get your name in the hat. Uh, it has to be done by February 12th at 5 p.m. So you got time to get yeah. there. It is $20 per two-person team. So father, son, mother, daughter, mother, son, father, daughter, whatever it is. I mean, if you want to get out Braden there and do Braden Vince. Braden Vince, yeah. That'll work. Come on, boy. Uh, you can pay easily. You can do it by cash, Facebook, Cash App, PayPal, all that kind of stuff. You can uh, do it uh, through the Facebook page. You can go there and do your registration, all that stuff right then and there, and it's going to be a good time had by all. It's an, Fox it's, is nothing either. It's an it's one of those events that I kind of like. It's kind of like our Panfish Challenge. Correct. You can once you win the thing and you got a little extra cash. Not only do you get some cash, but then you got some squirrels to take home oh, and eat. So it's all good. perfect. And up there, you say nothing crazy, but last year what first prize like five hundred dollars or something. Or I mean, it was pot. it was no chump change. And this year. <sighs> I can't imagine what it's going to be. Well, I, and they also do that little side uh, bet oh, yeah. thing, you know, for the heaviest squirrel, so the heaviest single squirrel. So if you think you got the big uh, porker belly uh, winner, uh, you can do that and enter that side thing, and that's like five bucks per one. So and and I tell you, last year while I was there, there were so many kids. They had prizes for kids that were just there, had nothing to do with how many squirrels you got. It. They they would turn around and be giving prizes out to all these kids. They did they did it really good. I can't imagine year two and because I, I know what the panfish challenge has changed into from the time I first got involved with it to what it's become and it, it is incredible. Yeah, it went from like uh <laughs> twenty five boats or something. I think maybe twenty boats the first year to what seventy seventy five is just what we've been yeah. doing. So, uh, but again, just so you know, it's Saturday. February 12th uh, is the cutoff date, so that's you got to get it in there because it happens on the 19th. So February 19th is the day of the event. The squirrels, by the way, can be shot anywhere. It doesn't matter where they are. I mean, uh, as long as they're brought there and weighed legally, in. Legally, shot yeah, legally. Shot legally. Uh, frozen squirrels will not be uh, accepted, any of that kind of stuff where it looks like it was, you know, kept in the freezer for a while or any of that other stuff there's there's some look do yourself a favor go on facebook do a search second annual squirrel hunt 2022 okay second annual squirrel hunt 2022 the list of the rules are all there so that you know what you can and cannot do and that way uh that way you know nobody's out there uh filling some dead squirrels with uh, some lead shot or something. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting out there. I think it's going to be a fun day. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time had by all. We're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We got some time left. We'll be back. So. Welcome back. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden, Vince, Bill, and uh, Slick. Bill George is back from his uh, trek up in Pennsylvania, and Slick is back from his trek out in Ocala with the uh, U.S. military out there messing around out in the woods. 
digging, family day. Dig, digging holes and filling them back up. I don't and, know. And I had something that happened on this trip that had ne- I've never had happen. Any, I mean, I've well, been it doing can't be a blowout. It can't be a hood flying up. It can't be uh, driving up with uh, a shack on top of the roof of the car. <laughs> But well, we did drive there. back with a, a a spark plug that was falling apart. Turned out, <laughs> <laughs> you but, didn't have a spare one in the back of that truck. You yeah, were. exactly. It, we didn't take my truck, oh. but but uh, well, that's why it fell apart. But we had we had a few adventures. Uh, opening day, George missed a, a nice buck, and on the second day, I took my neighbor with me, and we put him about seventy five yards off. Of a road. Now, when you say neighbor, you're talking about your neighbor down here. Correct, in my neighbor down here. Okay. I took him up there, Florida guy. Okay. He, of course, is deathly freezing cold. Doesn't have a. Uh, what was the temperature up there? I know you guys had snow. Uh, yeah, we we had quite a bit of snow. It was in 27 to 29 type like temperature range. No real wind, so it wasn't. It was to me, it was beautiful out. Yeah, if but, it's like that and it's dry, I and you got the right clothing, it's it's very comfortable. But, but he it, he was extremely cold, and we told him the deer moved right through this area, and he he I think he thought we were a little crazy. But on day two, here comes a buck in between him and the road. Okay, closer to the road than him, he turns around to go shoot this deer. And he shoots. The deer takes off running, runs down across the side of the hill, gets down to where George is, running so fast, George can't get a shot on him. The deer makes a hard left turn, runs to cross the road and go into a thick pine thicket, gets about halfway across the road, and shawack, hit the car, hit him. <laughs> Did it kill it? Oh, dead is <laughs> George is like, I, I, and I call on the radio. I'm like 300 yards away. Radios are legal up there. Just to check on people, not to alert to okay. presence of game. You can't. Right. You can't alert to presence of game. So it's like after the day before, I thought, well, maybe George is shooting again. You know. So I turn around. I I say, George, did did you did you shoot a shoot a buck? And he sits there and says, No, it got hit by a car. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm saying to myself in my head, self, I know I heard a gunshot. Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> Got hit by a car. Wait, it's like hitting by a truck. I, I whacked him so hard it was like hitting him with a truck. So then I turned around and I get on the radio and said, John, did, did you shoot? And he says, yeah, I shot a buck. And I'm like, okay, John shot a buck and George saw one hit by a car. By the time I got down and got over there, John never found any blood where he had hit him, and which would be easy to find in snow. But he evidently missed that deer. That deer ran down there and got whacked by a car. Now it's like, okay, what do you do? That's can you mob, claim? Can that's you, a mob style whacking right there. Yeah, the blood's really. gone, everything. Can you claim that deer? He could have legally probably put his tag on that deer and claimed that deer is that. But if you wanted to keep hunting, you can't claim, claim oh, the yeah, deer. Oh yeah, you're done, I guess. Okay, oh, yeah. so in Pennsylvania, once you shoot that buck, you're 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 pretty much done unless you had a doe tag and you have to apply real early to get a doe tag. Um, so we we he would have been done and he he wasn't ready to be done. So it's like okay, but. We ended up, but he wanted around. that deer. He took a shot at that deer. So why wouldn't you want that deer if it got 
pick it up by a car. Well, so well, I mean, there's no difference between shooting it and then uh, taking it off the side of the let's road. Let's just say legally, a non-resident can't claim a roadkill. Legally, uh, but but a resident can. So let's just say that maybe a resident showed up. <laughs> And threw that thing on a hitch haul and brought ah, it over. <laughs> I got you. I see. So it didn't go to waste. So oh, no. that's a good thing. It, it, we only got about a third of the meat off of that deer. Oh, wow, dude. He must have really got whacked. Oh, he got what whacked he pretty bad. I it mean, it was a car messed up? I mean, was it somebody hurt or anything? I, I don't know if they were hurt. By the time George had got up and checked on John and they went to go check on, on the people in the car, the car was able to drive off at least, so they, they turned around and, and drove off. But that was the most uh, – we have never had one go and get shot at and whacked on the road before. That's crazy. But that's one of the adventures of uh, hunting uh, in the first place. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, you no, know, it's – it's. I've heard people say they shot at something and it ran and whacked a tree and, you know, hit a tree and knocked themselves out. And, you know, there you think you have shot your deer and then a little bit later they get up and run off, but – I've had a pig do that. Get hit by a car? No, uh, where it <laughs> ran into a tree. I've had, I've, yeah, I've seen pigs. Uh, people hit pigs with cars all the time. But I've, uh, we shot. Me and my dad were out early in the morning. We were uh, checking the pumps out in the orange grove, and we saw one. And he's like, "Here, let's go get it." So he pulled it out to shoot it. Shot it. Uh, shot it with a rifle, and you just watch it take off. He had hit it pretty good. Like, I want to say it was like right above the shoulder blades, and that damn thing ran right into a dang tree. It's the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, you know when you're somebody shooting at you and you don't know you're hit, you don't usually look back. So it's or well, you got to look forward because yeah. that's where the tree was. It's amazing how deer end up in certain areas after they've been uh, after they've been hit. I know that uh, you know there's pictures on uh, on the internet where in the fork of a tree or you know trying oh, to run yeah. this way. I mean, there's there's uh, ones that have been hanging. The, the last one that I killed in Missouri that took off, um, uh, he went maybe about 30 yards and wasn't stopped him, basically, was a bunch of grapevines that were just, I guess he was trying to run through the thickest part, and it just like hit the giant safety net. It was like, nope. Well, up north, some of the ones in trees maybe got put there by a snow plow, you know, yeah. flying snow out. but. Yeah. Um, Kudzu fields, I mean, things like that, it could tangle all up in but there. But we did, we did turn around and... I introduced my dad to the process of sous vide cooking. I took th we took those back straps, turn around, put them in a, a Ziploc bag with some marinade. My dad was able to take those out, put them in a pot, set the temperature. When I came in from hunting, we took those things out. I quickly just browned the outside and shoo. I bet they were awesome. Oh, they were so delicious, tender, just you know. I, it's getting to be, you know what? I, I don't want to lay any claim to it, but it's amazing how popular that is getting for just about any type of of game for the most part because oh. of the because as we've pointed out before, it's so easy to mess up wild game. I don't care if it's so rabbit, easy. I don't care if it's venison, I don't care if it's duck or whatever it is, because you know you leave it to someone who really has. Not a lot of experience with it. It gets dry. And they try and be safe. Here. They're trying to be safe, and I got to make sure it. this is yeah. this is cooked extremely well. And so you you go blow way past the 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 yeah. proper way because to cook the it. outside looks good, correct? Or it's well, it's burned enough. <laughs> Whatever yeah. it is, you think the inside is done. But the beautiful thing about the souvé, especially with somebody who uh, 
is using a lot of wild game, and you are trying to be safe. You know, I want to make sure I don't have any bursalosis or anything like that in there. That thing, you can keep it at that temperature for as long as you want to. Once you bring it up past the point of, of killing any pathogen that might be within any form of meat, you can leave it in there, and it can keep it at that temperature. It doesn't dry it out. It doesn't make it any worse. As a matter of fact, a lot of people, you know, that are doing nowadays, the big thing is they're doing briskets. Oh, yes. And they're doing not briskets for like, you know, you got people like, I smoked Five, this brisket. Five, six days. Yeah. I smoked this brisket for 18 hours. And you're like, really? Because that one's been sous vide for about five days, and then I took it off and put it on the smoker and the grill and finish it off, and it's like literally fork tender butter, oh, yes. like you can almost spread it on toast. It's so it, it it is amazing because even my wife, the, the nice thing about that is you you set your temperature, it doesn't overcook it, and if you if something takes longer, i.e., if we would have shot a deer right at the end of the day. That, that stuff would have been right there, sitting at the right temperature, just waiting to be finished an sure. hour later. Yeah, and all you got to do is just put it on some fire, make it look good, put a little char for taste, and boom, you're out. All right, we're going to go. It's a break time. Okay, let's do it. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm.